The medical information on this podcast is provided as an information resource only and is not to be used or relied on for any diagnostic or treatment purposes. This information should not be used as a substitute for professional diagnosis or treatment. Please consult your healthcare provider or contact Changing Elements Acupuncture and Herbs before making any healthcare decisions or purchases. Hello and welcome to Changing Health Acupuncture Radio, where we talk about living healthy in today's world. I am honored that you are giving your time today to learn more about your health, and I hope I can provide some answers for you. My name is Eric Jackson. I am a licensed acupuncturist in Texas, and I look forward to presenting you with some information over the next 30 minutes or so. Last time, I spoke on the training of acupuncturists and broadly touched on what oriental medicine can do for fatigue. Today, I'm going to respond to an article about the CDC's new regulations regarding the use of opioids and talk a bit more about the methods of action for acupuncture. Before I begin, I want to briefly touch on a question that I should have answered last time. Many people ask, are the needles in acupuncture clean? And my answer is yes. Acupuncture needles are prepackaged, single use only, and are sterilized with ethylene oxide, which is a common method for medical equipment. Going into this answer a bit further, acupuncturists are required in the US to take a clean needle technique training, as well as OSHA training before they even start their internship. Acupuncturists are required to swab all of the points they will be using with alcohol before placing the needles. One concern that I have come across is there are some in my profession who feel like it is okay to needle through pantyhose and or compression socks. Most acupuncturists don't, so I don't want to scare you there, but I have encountered this with two particular individuals, and I would strongly urge any of you who are using an acupuncturist to not go to anyone who would needle through any clothing. This is an unsanitary practice and is a serious breach of training and professional standards. This is also why I suggest to my clients that they wear loose-fitting clothing so that they can avoid needing to use a gown um, so I have easy access to the areas on their body where we need to work on. If it's looser clothing, then I can get at it more easily. So now that I've answered that question, I would like to speak about the new guidelines released from the CDC. As I have said before, my clinic focuses on pain management, fatigue, and mental stress. So today we will be looking at pain. I have recently acquired a first-hand knowledge of pain as my exercise routine with Freeletics just had me do 60 pull-ups, 100 push-ups, and 180 squats. So my body is telling me all about pain. For those of you looking for a workout program, Freeletics is very affordable. It is adaptive to your skill level, and since it is a body weight only program, you just need space for the times you run and a pull-up bar. It's pretty intense, so though, be sure that you can handle it and maybe consult with a healthcare practitioner before going into it. 
Um, so all joking aside, getting into the meat of today's talk, the CDC released a new guidelines on March 15th in the Journal of American Medical Association for Physicians on how to use opioid pharmaceuticals to manage pain. So to check out, so go ahead, check out the report for yourself if you'd like, but broadly the CDC was asking five questions on the use of opioids, which were, how effective are the opioids and at what duration and dosage? What are the adverse effects? What dosing strategies should be used? How do we address the risks? And what to do with acute versus long-term pain? What the CDC found was that opioids are effective at mitigating pain, but they really meet their max effective duration within 12 weeks of use, and frankly, people should only ever be on opioids for seven days or less, with three days or less being the standard recommendation. Now, this is for normal, non-palliative cases, but my point is, and what the CDC is saying, is that there are too many people on a pharmaceutical that is dangerous for much longer than that pharmaceutical was ever intended to be used for. When it comes right down to it, opioids are a band-aid method. They reduce the perception of pain, but they do not, in fact, heal the body. All pain ultimately comes back to some form of inflammation, and the opioids are not reducing that. Acupuncture can. You see, with acupuncture, when a person is needled, the body improves blood flow to the area, stimulates the local immune system, and at the end of the treatment, the now healing tissue releases substances which turn off the inflammatory reaction, which is what's causing the pain in the first place. Like I mentioned last time, oriental medicine is holistic and looks at treating the cause instead of just the symptom. So going back to the new guidelines from the CDC, I already mentioned the five questions they sought to answer, but I've yet to touch on the actual guidelines. There were 12 guidelines which were proposed, so I'm going to go over those now. Now, these guidelines were designed for healthcare practitioners, so I'll be speaking on them in less technical terms. Number one, therapies that do not use pharmaceuticals and specifically do not use opioids are preferred when dealing with chronic pain. Number two, if you are going to use opioids, have a very clear and realistic treatment goal. Number three, before starting opioid therapy, know the risks and realistic benefits of the therapy and reassess during the therapy if there will be periodic usage of opioids. Four, if using opioids for chronic pain, make use of immediate release opioids instead of extended release or long acting ones. Five, use the lowest effective dosage. Six, be mindful of the duration of opioid treatment for acute pain and keep it to a minimum. Three days or less should be standard, over a week should be rarely needed. 7. Have regular assessments on the continued effectiveness of the opioid treatment if it is to be used long term. Assess its benefits and risks and be willing to discontinue it when need be. 8. 
evaluate the risks before starting and have reassessments during the opioid therapy to continue monitoring the risks. Make and implement plans to mitigate these risks. 9. Pay attention to other medications which you are on. 10. Test to see if there are any other pharmaceuticals in the in the person, so make sure you're probably going to be tested um, if you're taking anything else. 11. Avoid prescribing opioid pain medication and bendodiazepines concurrently whenever possible. And 12. Offer treatment for people who develop an opioid disorder. So, in short, the CDC is trying to get healthcare providers to limit the use of opioids in favor of more effective pain treatments, which will have fewer side effects and less of an addiction risk. Furthermore, they're calling for better planning and monitoring of longer-term opioid treatments, especially with individuals who are using other medications or supplements. So, to touch on these guidelines a little bit more in depth, Firstly, as the CDC recognized in their study and even stated as their first guideline, there are better ways of addressing chronic pain, such as dietary therapy, exercise, and cognitive behavioral therapy, or CBT. These are all things that I can help with, along with supplement recommendations and treatments which will reduce inflammation, which is the cause of pain in the body. Proper diet and exercise will improve circulation and repair tissue, which will reduce inflammation and pain. Now, I want to make this clear. I'm not a counselor and I don't have a psychological background, but I do understand some of how the brain works, and I can help with a meditation program that will act on a similar principle to the opioids in that it will reduce the perception of pain. Meditation and mindfulness practices have got an unusual history in the States, and a lot of people think that it might be a bunch of woo-woo, but there's some good research out there, and one work in particular that I found interesting was from Paul Ekman, a PhD in clinical psychology. Now, Dr. Ekman is the same person who really made face reading a popular skill, and it's his work that inspired the TV series Lie to Me, which was on the air a couple years back. Ekman, recent, uh, a few years ago, had a conversation with the Dalai Lama, and in a book called Emotional Awareness, Overcoming the Obstacles to Psychological Blame or psychological balance and compassion. So emotional awareness, overcoming the obstacles to psychological balance and compassion. Now in this book, Ekman proposes the idea that the reason people who meditate regularly seem to do better emotionally is that by taking control of their breathing on a regular basis, and that's an automatic bodily process. It's involuntary. You're going to do that all on your own. By, do, by taking control of that, they then gain the skill of being able to impose some control over other automatic bodily processes as well, such as our emotional reactions. 
And this is an idea that I particularly like, and I hope that you'll be able to take something away from that as well. And while I'm on this subject, another book that I would recommend is The Ancient Art of Stoic Joy by William B. Irving. Now, this book offers a similar mindfulness approach, but it has more mental discipline techniques and kind of a unique view on life. Basically, the goal of life in Irving's mind is not happiness or material wealth, but doing and becoming the best you can, as well as having a peaceful emotional state. And one of the primary exercises of the Stoic is to visualize the worst possible outcomes and really try to feel what that would be like so that you're prepared for bad situations when they arise and when that happens they affect you less. Now this isn't necessarily the sunniest of practices but it does allow one to be more realistic and resilient to the stresses of life. And if you are more resilient to stress in whatever form, it has measurable health benefits as your body will produce less cortisol, which, as I mentioned last time, means your adrenals are healthier and means you will have less fatigue. So I got a bit off topic there, and I hope you'll forgive the deviation. The next thing that I wanted to touch on from the CDC was the risks of opioids. Now, we all know that they are highly addictive substances, but the other issue that they pose, which the CDC mentioned, was that they can damage the endocrine system and cause cardiovascular events. So the fatigue that I mentioned last time from your adrenals or thyroid not working, this is something that taking opioids long-term could lead to. This is another thing which makes CBT or mindfulness slash meditation practices a nice alternative to opioids. Both of them are working on the principle of reducing the perception of pain, but the opioids can potentially harm the system which produces the stress reactions. The mental discipline therapies which I mentioned, they're not going to do that. Also, there could be heart issues um, from taking the opioids and there's a chance of more serious issues and all of that's going to be linked to the dosage and what other medications you're taking, what are you being treated for, and just the way your own body reacts. So opioids are not something to play around with. If you have to use it, if you really need it, then please be very careful and talk with your healthcare providers and keep them updated on what's going on. The last part that I wanted to talk about was benzodiazepines. CDC specifically stated in their guidelines that opioids should not be used with benzodiazepines, if at all possible. Benzodiazepines treat for anxiety, insomnia, agitation, seizures, muscle spasms, and alcohol withdrawal. So if you're being treated with a pharmaceutical for any of those, be sure to mention that to your healthcare provider if you are considering an opioid therapy. These pharmaceuticals also work on a neurotransmitter in the body called GABA, 
which you can get supplements for and will help to treat for anxiety. So if you are taking a GABA supplement, inform your healthcare provider if you are planning on going on an opioid therapy. So we're at the end of our talk today. Um, I'd like to cover a few important details. First, this is a national broadcast, but I do have a clinic in Denton, Texas, which is located at 524 North Locust Street, right next to the post office and a restaurant called The Greenhouse. I'm available for phone consultations and patient visits, both of which you can schedule through my website, chelements.com. chelements is all one word. If you go there, I have a few supplements for sale which treat for pain and fatigue, among other things, though I do recommend that you call me for a consultation before you purchase. My number is 940-441-5404. Again, that number is 940-441-5404. My website has a number of previous articles that I have written, including a fairly technical review that I wrote on one of the works of Dr. Richie Shoemaker, who has worked with chronic inflammatory response syndrome. And I mentioned that article last time, but I'm mentioning it again as it covers aspects of inflammation, which I touched on today. I would love to hear from you with suggestions or questions through my website or my Facebook page, Changing Elements Acupuncture and Herbs, or Twitter at Changing Element. I am planning another broadcast around April 10th or so, and I look forward to speaking with all of you then. For those of you in the Dallas area who would like to meet me in person, I will be at the Denton Community Market regularly starting in April. And also starting next month, I will be doing a one-hour Qigong workshop at 2 p.m. the first Saturday of every month at Fred Moore Park in Denton. So that will be April 2nd at 2 p.m. when that happens, which will be after the Denton Community Market, which starts the same day at 10 a.m. and goes till 1 p.m. I'll also be giving a talk at Natural Grocers in Denton on University Street on the 29th of this month, so in a little over a week, and I'll be at that at 7 p.m. till 7.45. I will mostly be giving an introduction to how the training of acupuncturists as well as acupuncture and oriental medicine work, and there will be time to answer specific questions at the end. I hope you have a great day, and until next time, I am Eric Jackson, and this is Changing Health Acupuncture Radio from Changing Elements Acupuncture and Herbs in Denton, Texas.